because the stigma that's attached to it for me, that's mm. why I don't like being called Ira the footballer anymore. Yes, I'm a professional footballer, and yes, I love playing football and and things like that. But I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't like being called Ira the footballer. Where when I got injured, it was kind of God reignited those other gifts again and said, like, look, you are more than just a footballer. And obviously, all I'd ever been told is, oh, you're Ira the footballer. That was the little tag that was added to my name. Okay. Um, and now at my church there's ira the pastor ira the prophet ira the this and it's like can we get rid of and i this is why over the years i've hated labels because labels subject a person to one area and i don't like it my name is ira hello and welcome to journeys of fatherhood it's your host chinadum and this week i had a sit down with ira jackson jr a professional football player from Grimsbury Town Football Club in the UK, where we talk about how he believes that people should not be defined by what they do, but who they are. We also go deep into his recent book, What is a Man? I was so blessed by this. It was a wonderful conversation. And I hope you gain the same amount of knowledge and wisdom that I did. Without further ado, let the journey begin. Um, so I'm, I have a burden for men, okay, for young men, for old men, just for men in general. And yeah. one of my biggest problems has been that over the years, I didn't necessarily think I was ready to be that person that's mentoring or that person that's telling people how to act and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, when I was younger, I started a, a footballer's, uh, Christian ministry, a Christian footballer's ministry called Daniel FC with Toby Show Silver. And that was premature in the sense of I just did it because I knew I was called to do some sort of mentoring, but it got so big that it was hard to actually mentor properly on a one-to-one That's level. A good uh, it was more of like a little group chat thing. We had we had 112, 112 footballers across the world. And you were managing that? That were involved. Pardon? And you were, ma- you were solely managing that? Myself and Toby Show Silver were the managers of it, yeah. So it was, it, it started to get crazy. Like how many people were on it? It's like we had the conversation how are we actually going to manage this? Like yeah. in terms of mentoring, in terms of building and supporting these guys, how do we practicalize one to one support with 112 people? Like it doesn't make sense. Um, and it kind of, when we got to that sort of stage, we had, yeah, we had a clash of opinions and a clash of direction because my direction was more focused on let's try and disciple people because that's the big problem that we have mm. in this society with young men is that they're not being discipled. They're not getting that one-to-one accountability, responsibility, and that growth. They're not getting somebody who's actively interested in their growth. Yeah. They're getting people who are actively interested in their gift. And that's a big problem I have with the church in general Ooh. is that, everybody's so interested in people's gifts that they forget the actual individual. Now, hold on. Let me just take you back. Let's repeat that one more time in case you missed it. Everybody's so interested in people's gifts that they forget the actual individual character. What is your character saying? What is your attitude like? What is, how do you um, address other individuals? How do you, manage 
fame? How do you manage all these different things? And that's something I had to learn. 19 years old, turning a professional-ish footballer with Dover Athletic. And then it's almost like, how do I, how do I manage all of this? How do I manage this attention? How do I, and I was, I was never taught. I was just corrected afterwards. So you get the condemnation, you get the punishment afterwards, but you never actually get the teaching. So that's the big problem I had. So with the, with the, uh, the footballers ministry, the aim was to, to help these guys because we know football is a very big quagmire. Absolutely. And with these guys being Christians, we wanted them to be actual Christians in the football industry, not covert Christians, as I used to call them, which is they say God is great, but God, God is great has turned into a trend now. Anyone can say it and it doesn't actually mean anything. It's just, that's just what you say nowadays um, or all praise to the most high and things like that. But we wanted them to be active Christians, people who actually lived out their faith in football. And that's something that we worked on and we tried to work on, but in the end, it just got too much. So we left it. Um, a lot of them joined Toby and um, one of the members of the group called uh, Daryl who started their own thing called F3 Football, uh, which is still going now, to be fair. And it's, it's kind of more, yeah, yeah. It's kind of more on the the uh, event side, going into uh, schools or going into footballs and uh, football clubs and talking to them about different things and, and having group Bible studies and all that sort of stuff, which is which is great. Um, but yeah, I, I had a burden for the individual. The, the, I don't really care for the footballer but I care for the person. And I think that's something that can be a very big problem because it's hard to differentiate with a lot of people because they identify themselves as the footballer. Yeah. So everything about them is to do with football. So when we now challenge character, if football doesn't care about character, then they're like, well, why are you talking to me sort of thing? Because football's not flagged them up on their character. They're getting attention, they're getting fame. And as long as they're growing in their gifting, they assume that everything else is, is fine. And that's where the problem comes. And that's why we have to have mentors. We have to be um, discipled by people who are further advanced to us in the faith, more mature so that we can grow. I like that. Do you know what? I, I just had to write it down. Focus on the gift more than the individual. That hits a very strong chord because it, you can relate that to so many things. And I think that's, that's, that's really what's amazing about this, the work that you're doing with a mentoring, because I, I've worked in two different secondary schools before going corporate. And whilst I was working in those two secondary schools, one thing I noticed is that everyone has a football goal. Everyone has a football dream. And, you know, a lot of them get um, sell Kent League Saturday. Um, they, they go up the ranks, Kent League and all of these, they go up. And then mm. we had a, a, a future prospect. We had a student that we thought was definitely going to make it, but he got cut from his academy. And then what we started to see was that he started becoming more violent in terms of the character just burst out because it was almost like, who am I without this? I'm no yeah. longer the guy that um, the PE teacher calls out in front and tells, us to, tells me to do these drills and things like that. So it's, yeah. It's really important. It's really interesting that you've mentioned that. And I think that leads me to the next question I have, because for a lot of people that don't know you, you're not just a professional footballer. You're not just a mentor. 
your own author, you're a founder for a company, and also behind everything, you also have a degree. So it's, 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 it's not just, I'm just a footballer or I'm just a founder. You've done so many things. And I think you were talking, you mentioned it earlier, how you, you have a, your man of with many gifts and many desires and many interests. And being able to balance that out whilst also maintaining your identity without attaching yourself to what you do, but who you are. Talk to me about how you've been dealing with that. How have you been dealing with that, not getting lost with what you do? Um, I think the the biggest reason why I had a struggle with it was because what I did was so emphasized and so dropped on me. Like you're a footballer. Like if I would ever show an inkling of wanting to do something else or having another gift, it's almost like, no, you're a footballer. Just focus on football. Almost as though like, you know, when you watch those films and a person's really skilled in one area and then they get up to sing and they can't sing at all. Yeah. And they're like, no, just stick to playing the drums. Yeah, okay. It was almost like that. But the problem was, is that I was actually gifted in a multitude of areas or I am gifted in a multitude of areas. Yeah. I have the quote unquote ability to be able to do many things mm. and do them well but I'm still able to be focused on what I'm focused on at that particular time. And that's something that God has gifted me with and God has helped me with. Um, but it's probably only since about 17 that I've actually did anything outside of football. So seven years, the first 17 years of my life was just football. Really? Wow. Yeah. Many people don't know this about me, but when I was younger, I wanted to be a poet. Do you still write? That's, a, that's an interesting, you got any Not pieces. much anymore. I don't, I don't write much anymore. But one of the things I've learned um, that God has taught me is that I'm not a poet. I'm a writer. And that writing can take many different forms because I've gone from poetry. I've done freestyle rap. I've done writing songs. I've done um, writing a book. I've done... Oh. Ira's new book, What is a Man, is now available on Amazon, What is a Man by Ira Jackson Jr. It is also available on his website, www.pcldn.com. That's www.pcldn.com. Now, Ira and I, we went on to talk about the book. However, before we go there, here is what Ira had to say about not wanting to be labeled by what he does, not just as a footballer or writer, but by who he is, just Ira. Where when I got injured, it was kind of, God reignited those other gifts again and said like, look, you are more than just a footballer. Yeah. And obviously all I'd ever been told is, oh, you're Ira, the footballer. That was the little tag that was added to my name. Okay. Um, and now, at my church, there's Ira, the pastor, Ira, the prophet, Ira, the this. And it's like, can we get rid of, and I, this is why over the years I've hated labels because labels subject a person to one area and I don't like it. My name is Ira because the stigma that's attached to it for me, that's mm. why I don't like being called Ira, the footballer anymore. Yes, I'm a professional footballer and yes, I love playing football and, and things like that, but I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't like being called Ira, the footballer. Oh, wow. So 
that that's a very interesting thing because a lot of times we focus so much on working to be identified for something you know people spend years trying to perfect their craft in something so that they'll be identified for that some people want to be investors vc some people want to be financial analysts and things like that some people want to be sports people and it's interesting you said that because i know growing up i always wanted to play basketball professionally and it's a good thing we're in video because you can't see my height. So I don't really fit the profile for a basketball player. <laughs> I don't yeah. really fit the profile for a basketball for a long time because the reason why I wanted to go into basketball was because I wasn't allowed to play Sunday league football because I had church. I was mm. on fire. And my mum was not going to have it. Yeah, yeah. I would skip church. And we're going to get onto that for now. But the reason why I'm saying that is because I wanted to, when I switched to basketball, I could play on Saturdays. I wanted to work so hard to become the basketball player because I felt that when I'm in that place of position, when people say, Chinadim, you're the basketball player, I would use that as a reason to then help them or a platform to help people. So my question is, why was that? Because you talked about the stigma attached to it. But people can also say maybe that could be a point of strength. Why didn't you see that as a point of strength from being known as Ira the footballer or Ira the poet? Um... I just personally didn't like it, especially when I, I found that there was more gifts there. I felt like there was this unnecessary box that was just put on me, like this guy's the footballer. And then it then made me think to myself, well, if I don't become a footballer, what am I? And that that's why I don't like it. And that's why when I have children, well done, you have a gift, you're good at it congratulation i'm not going to call you that that's not what yeah. you are like you you just do it because the second you stop doing it are you dead you're not are you and and for me that's the way i look at it now is like i could if i wanted to i could stop playing football right now and there's so many other things i could do so now i play football because i want to play football not because it's the only thing i'm able to do ira is the founder of a mentoring group called W-I-A-M. Now that stands for What is a Man Mentoring Program? What is a Man Mentoring Program provides young men a 30-week manhood program, personal advice and guidance, community of brothers, prayer and support. He runs this under his company called PC London, PC standing for Preach Christ. And as we go further in the podcast episode, Ira and I started talking about what inspired him to really take up the burning desire he had for men and when exactly he started to act on that burning desire. Can you pinpoint an exact time where you thought to yourself, okay, I really need to start helping men out or I really need to start? Because you said you always had that burning desire. Well, when did you decide mm. and when did you act on that? Um, I decided when I was around 19. So yeah. about five years ago before I started the the Christian footballers ministry with Toby yeah. um but over the years it just grew because I'm a I'm an observant person okay um uh, my name even Ira means watchful stallion so it makes sense I so I just I I observe society I observe church I observe everything I'm sitting there and, and I'm over the years it's bugging me like church is just annoying me like it's starting to frustrate, like 
anybody that knows me personally knows I love church, right? Mm. Like church is my thing. Okay. Like going to church, being involved, serving all of these different things. But I started to find a problem when I'm looking in church, I became like a youth leader or I'm thinking like, why are they acting up? Why are they, why can't they worship? Why can't they do this? And I'm asking myself questions. I'm thinking like, there's something seriously wrong here. Mm. And I'm wondering why, why are we not having discussions that deal with these men's issues? Why are people, why are people living lifestyles or having older brothers that are going to prison and all this sort of stuff? And nobody's doing the, the little checks, the, the proper conversations with the younger brother to make yeah. sure he doesn't go and repeat that. Like, why are these things not happening? And for me, I'm looking at it and I'm going, well, look, I'm just a volunteer. So I'll mention it, okay. but I'm not holding out any hope for it to be action because I'm thinking they have a way of working and they believe it works. And if they were to look at me as an example of somebody who's come through the youth ministry and all of a sudden is now on the other side, they can go, yeah, it works. I came at 16, left at 18 and then became a mentor, uh, a men uh, volunteer at 19. So technically I'm, I was in the youth ministry, but I was only in the youth ministry for two years. Yeah. And then afterwards until last June or last February, because obviously the lockdown, no last June, sorry. I was a youth mentor slash youth, uh, youth, youth volunteer slash youth leader one of them with the worship team and with the the main youth uh leadership and like i say i was i was observing for years and i'm sitting there and i'm i'm saying i i didn't i, I spoke to some of these guys and i'll ask some questions and stuff i was just like mm, this is the it's a very big problem like and i was just like all right let me just leave it and let me just sort myself out because once I sort myself out okay. then I'll be able to be, be a, a living witness a living example of how it can be done um, and even though some of them looked up to me as role models I never they weren't ever in the place or they didn't ever respect me enough if you want to say it like that to when I was telling them about their business or checking up on them for them to be real. And that's a problem I had. Like, yeah. no one wants to be real. No one, everybody has this image that they have to protect. And I'm thinking to myself, like, who are you trying to impress? I don't, I don't, and, and this whole bravado thing, for me, I've just been real. Like, I'll cry in church in the middle of praise and worship. I'm not hiding it from no one. Like, who am I hiding it from? Do you get what I mean? I've led praise and worship and I've been boiling in tears, probably looking ugly and everything. Nah, I, I don't care. I'm not trying to impress anyone. And when I got out of performance mode in faith, it changed my life because ultimately, like you talked about, everybody wants to tell you about what your purpose is, who you're called to be and who you are and all this sort of stuff. But mm. when you look at an iPhone, <laughs> who can tell, who can tell the iPhone, it's function more than the actual person who made it. So we're going, and I said this to the, the teenagers last year, I had a, a, I did a sermon called Independence Day. Um, and it was all about you making the decision to have a relationship with God yourself. Because I was explaining to them that there's only so far your parents' prayers can get you. 
But what happens when you're in uni now, it's 3 a.m., this guy's asking you to do such and such, and your parents aren't there praying. Well, what's, what's going on there? Right. This is what I'm saying. Like, you have to, you have to, at some point, Jesus was in the temple without his parents at 12 years old. Mm-hmm. So no one can ever tell me, <laughs> oh, I'll wait till I'm 18. 18 is when you're old enough to take your relationship with God serious for yourself. I don't want to hear it. If Jesus is God's example of what man should look like, then why are we waiting six years later than when Jesus showed responsibility for his own faith? That's powerful. So I encourage people like, look, you you might be 10, you might be 11. No one's asking you to go out and start prophesying to the whole world and telling them when it's going to end to the specific date and minute and hour. But build your faith with God. Start getting wins with God because God is a God of momentum. God likes to show himself. So if you're getting wins with God from the age of 10, 11, maybe even seven, what's going to happen when you get to 18 and uni comes and these trials and tribulations of uni try to attack you? You're going to be like, I've seen God win before. What's this? This is nothing. It's, It's the compound effect. And I think a lot of people don't remember it's a compound building thing. And it's a relationship with every relationship. The years through years, you get stronger and get better. Now, during our conversation, Ira and I started talking about his book and I wanted to find out exactly what inspired him to write the book, how it came about. And also, he said he'd read his book 15 times. Yes, 15 times. And he hasn't just read it for proofreading, but read it to be able to make sure he's applying it. Listen to this. I had five years out of the limelight where nobody knew what I was doing, what I was like. I used to sing on the worship team and I was up on stage every week. Mm. And then I became a soundman for four years. I didn't touch this. I touched the stage twice that year, that those four years. One was to do offering as in like talk about the offering. Yeah. And one was to preach a sermon. And then I returned back to my sound desk. So I've had this time now, even when people ask me, oh, Ira, when are you going to come and join the young adults choir and all this sort of stuff? I had my time where God needed to work on me because I can't release this book now and not have been living it. So this book, ha- I re-read, I've read my book about 15 times outside of editing, by the way. Outside of editing. Once because more. even when I read it, even when I read it, I'm looking at him going, I need to check myself. Like, am I am I doing this? And am I not doing this? And it's almost like a little checklist. And that's the good thing about it is that when I wrote the book, I informed people, look, this, this is something that's constant progress, constant analysis and constantness, because there's going to be aspects. There's a book, the part at the end of the book called The Roll Call, which talks about the different roles that a man plays in his life. So a, a son, a brother, a friend, a husband and a father. And in that order, because God has a divine order for how you go through life in the different stages. So for me, I can't ever say I've completed manhood until I've become a father yeah. and, and taught my son how to be a man. So all of this, in every single role I play, I have to abide by the character and I have to apply it. All these skills are transferable skills that you learn being a son can teach you to be a brother being a brother can teach you to be a friend 
I think every man, every woman can benefit from the book only because it's a manual, it's a guide, it's something that everybody can sit and assess, not just themselves, but mm. let's say if you're a lady, a single mother, you can assess or help your son to become the man he's called to be. If you're a father, and some may think it's, it's too late, it's never too late. It, the time it's too late is when you're dead. And if you're still alive, you still have time. So this is the thing we can look at. The beauty of our salvation is the fact that somebody could live in sin for 90 years and on their deathbed can give their life to Christ and they go to heaven. So it's just the same as somebody who has lived for 45 years, not being a good father can learn the principles of what a father is called to do biblically and begin to put them in practice. It's not going to happen overnight, but can begin to put them in practice and they will see the divine turnaround of what is when you align with the principles that God has. God sticks to his principles more than your preference and more than your opinion. He doesn't, in terms of your feelings, he lives by his principles. It's going to come to pass. He's going to live and die by his principles. So if, if God has a value of love and you don't walk in love, don't expect to receive the benefits of love. But just because you haven't doesn't mean you're done. And this is the beauty of what I've written in the book as well, is that, look, this book is not to now draw you out as a father and be like, look at you, you're rubbish. You haven't done your job. Mm. But it, it, it's something that can make you assess where you're at from an honest perspective and say, I never even knew that before. I didn't know that was required of me. But now that I do you make the choice to actively put it into practice and ask God for the help to put it into practice. Because I say this, you can't live a, a walk with, with God without God. So you can't live a life with God without God, because God is the person who allows you and gives you the grace to be able to do. And that's something we all have to learn. You can't be, the pastor he's called you to be if you don't do that with him you can't be the father he's called you to be if you don't do that with him no man that is called to lead a house can lead a house if he's not first led by god so that's the thing that happens is you get led by god who inspires you to lead your family if you're struggling with leading it's probably because you're not being led and that's what we have to learn there's a lot of there's a lot of things. There's a lot of nuggets that you see in the Bible um, and you see in this book as well that help us to see that it's nothing to do with age. It's more to do with stage. But also God isn't stupid. God wants you to be prepared for whatever role you're going into. So if, if you're and this is why he has order. So he doesn't want you to be a father before you're a husband, because there's such responsibility that comes before kids that you need to learn so that you can when you have kids you have the ability to do it because he doesn't want you to be ill-prepared and i say it like this many times in the book god is a god of momentum he wouldn't say be fruitful multiply subdue uh and have dominion mm. if if there was no order to that if you understand the words and the definition of each of those words there is a process of growth and a process of progress in every word fruitfulness is making 
produce, is making results, getting results. Multiplication is greatly increasing your results. Subduing is now having such an impact that others are underneath or you're, you're causing things to be um, subdued or putting things under subjection. You can multiply without having subjection, but you can't subject if you haven't multiplied. And then dominion, dominion is a result of being faithful, which causes you to be fruitful. Mm. Multiplying, which means that you have, if you look at the scripture that Jesus um, broke the bread, he blessed it, broke it. And what happens when you break something in two? It immediately multiplies, which means in order for there to be multiplication, there needs to be a breaking. So if you have one gift, break it into five different facets and you've already multiplied. Wow. And then we, le- we then move on to filling the earth and subduing it, which means, which means we put the world or the earth or the principles of the earth under subjection, which means we start to now have more of a, the God colors showing in the earth. And that only happens if we're, able to be of strength if we're able to be of influence if we're able to be of such stature and what we see in the world is is that we reach a certain level of elevation and then all of a sudden we fit into the world system of doing things and the world's way of doing things we're not we're not called to be best mates with the world's principles we're called to overtake their principles and bring god's principles to the forefront of the world and that's what dominion ends up being is that the earth, heaven comes to earth. That's what dominion is. That's the, the reason why we, we were created was not to come and live a nice life and have nice cars. It was so that we could rule the earth. That's what the scripture says. So if we're not doing that, we're not walking in purpose. Purpose. I think that's the, that's the resounding thing because I think a lot of men are so lost in... Because... One, one thing we've had in this podcast, we've had people from the United States, people from different places, but at the end of the day, they talk about accountability, purpose, and the ability to take, um, take responsibility. So those three things, it's interesting because with every single thing you're talking about there, a son is accountable to the father, and obviously the father need, has a responsibility to the son. A friend, you accountable, hold people to account, accountability, and all together, there's a singular purpose is to bring bring Christ through you and let God be represented through what you do. And that's in terms of being faithful, mm-hmm. like you said, and then fruitful, then breaking and multiplying. For me, talking about the breaking area, because one thing I, I really want a lot of young people to listen to, a few of the people that are listening to this, I know they're, they're going to go do their research and focus on so they can pick what they want in terms of footballer, author, and all those things. Now, one thing I always promote to a lot of people is that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to talk about the struggles. And one of the reasons why I started this podcast was because last year in April, April um, during the pandemic, I saw the same thing. I realized the same thing. There were more talk shows. There were more um, devotional guides from women for everyone else. And there were books Like I had to read a book on boundaries and dating. And even the cover had a lipstick at a point I was, even, I was even ashamed to carry that book in public I had to wrap it up with a cover and all that but that's a whole different story mm. but what I was saying is that when it comes to vulnerability a lot of people quite don't understand the strength and the courage in being vulnerable they focus more on the weakness of it 
So you mentioned something, I think you mentioned in the past, where you went through a time where you were depressed, you went through depression. And I could definitely mm-hmm. resonate with that because I did my SATs. I got a conditional offer from Duke University to go play basketball a bit. However, the I've had malaria from coming to and when I went to Ghana on a mission on a, a voluntary trip. When I came back, I was seriously ill. I was out for two months. I wasn't able to do great in my A level. Neither did I do. I didn't get the scholarship for scholarship in academic scholarship mm. or um, American basketball to play, go American play basketball. And one thing I faced was though, even though I was active in the church, I was in the choir, I was in the youth, I was doing all sorts of things. At the age of 17, 18, just before going uni, I found myself in a very dark place. And yeah. the crazy thing was that leading up to that, every single day I watched Billy Graham. I was listening to a whole stuff yeah, yeah. Billy Graham every single day. And I didn't know it, but I was almost like I was telling God, God, you see, I'm building my faith. You know, you got to make sure you reward this. You know, I'm getting every single day. Yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not eating till I listen to a whole sermon, making notes. Almost wrote two yeah, full yeah. books. And mm. when it didn't work out, even though I knew God, I was so down. And sometimes when I tell people this, they're saying that that means you didn't really have a relationship with God. Oh, that means you didn't, you, you weren't really a Christian. What That means you didn't have a spirit. But, but the thing about it is in that time, I felt so horrible. I'll be honest with you. I, I've said it before, but I felt so suicidal. How did you deal with that time of feeling down? Because I think that's something that's very powerful. A lot of young people that are listening to this. It's, it's hard to put it into one thing. There was yeah. a multitude of, of things in terms of, again, like I say, I'm a writer. So writing helped because I just wrote how I felt. Um, I didn't talk. I wrote. Yeah. Um, prayer again I didn't want to pray but I talked to God which is prayer so <laughs> I did pray yeah uh, I'm, it, like I say I, I wasn't it was more of a uh, talking at God than a talking to God yeah. but even in that God showed his grace and mercy and 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 his yeah like his grace and mercy and in, in the ability to listen to my anger and still love me the same um, because what I find is, is that if you are to approach someone angry or rude, they come at you with anger and rudeness, Yeah. <laughs> but, um, that's the thing God didn't, it was almost like, I'm, I'm telling God everything under the sun, like yeah. about how much he's not doing his job and all of this sort of stuff. And yeah. how could this happen? And it's all your fault and everything. And God's literally sitting there like, you know, I love you. Right. And I'm thinking like, what's wrong with you? Listen, I'm trying to rant here and you this, you're not helping it. Yeah. You've got to say something back so I can rant even more. Um, but like I say, God's love just it is, is, is powerful. And, and something that he taught me is, is that when you're going through what you're going through, who do you run to? And sometimes what we say to people who are depressed is don't go to God because depression isn't Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're in the middle of a storm, is a storm godly or is it not godly? If you're in the middle of about to fornicate, is fornication godly or is it not godly? But are you godly? That's the question. Do you love God? That's it. Because you're not what you do. And that's the thing you have to understand is that me being in a state of suicide and depression doesn't mean I am suicide or depression. 
Like I'm still Ira. I'm still the son of God. I'm still the beloved of God. But in this moment, this is how I'm feeling. And I think we need to break out of this mold of Christianese where we're like, oh, I'm blessed. God is good. I can't complain when we're depressed. Like mm. you're not helping yourself by lying. You're not. And, and we use these phrases and act like they're faith when faith and stupidity are not the same thing. If you're on your deathbed, you're on your deathbed, but you can, you can still declare that he was wounded for my transgressions and bruised for my iniquities. You can still say that, but also address the fact of the matter. The fact is that you're in your deathbed, but the faith of the matter is that you are healed and you will live long because that's what the word of God says. So in that time, it was more of God showing me, yeah, this is how you feel. Let it out. I'll love you while you're letting it out. And then after that, there's business for you to do. Because I can now speak to a totally different audience through being through that. That's it. Whereas before, I might have been in the, the, the Christianese club saying, depressed? What do you mean depressed? You're a Christian. You can't be depressed. That's not Christian. But now I know I've been there, been through there, had dreams where I'm killing myself in my dream, mm. not in real life. And I'm waking up thinking, wait, how am I still here? Thinking that that was reality. Yeah. And then I'm now here doing all of these things. It helps me to remember what happened during that time, but also to never ever look upon a person who is going through a situation and judging them by the situation. That's it. That's it. I think it's, it's, it's one of those things where when you talk about, when you, when you were talking about storm, the storm, it just made me think about, you know, when Jesus was walking on water and Peter had to take that step of faith. And even whilst, in, whilst walking through the walking on water, he still had his face. He was looking towards Christ. And it was a very on, he'd never done it before. He'd never been through a place where he had to do that. But what I'm, what I'm trying to get to is that a lot of people, because they don't feel like they're in a solid ground, they're you know, in a safe place, they feel that surely this can't be, this can't be right. Because even I was condemning myself. It's crazy because at that point when I was going through depression, I was angry with myself for being depressed, which didn't make yeah. any logical sense because I was like, that means Chinadim, you don't really, you're not really strong in your faith. Like you should be strong with your faith. You need to, you need to stand up, you know, quote those scriptures. But I'm telling you, leading up to it, I was Billy Graham was my ring, it was everything to me. I was listening to Billy Graham. I watched every old tape on YouTube. Understanding the love of Christ, love of God, love of Christ, because that's all he focuses message on. And that's one thing I'm so happy about that time. Because if I hadn't done that, there wouldn't have been a foundation. And I yeah, think yeah, yeah. it's so important that people also remember that even whilst you're going through these things, you have something that's built up. There's a lot of things that have been poured. Like the Bible says, train up a child in a way he should go. And when he grows, he will not depart from it. These are little church Sunday school rhymes mm-hmm. that we always heard. But it's something that is so powerful in terms of us remembering whose we are and not who, what we do. Yeah. And 
Yeah. That's a powerful message right there, man. That's a really powerful message. So my question now is, how would you, having listened to this, because I'm sure um, we have a mixture of male and female listeners, because you said that a book is not just for guys, it's also for women and mothers and women just in general, for everyone in general. How can they effectively use the book? Because I believe that anyone can read a book, but not everybody applies it. How, can, how would you mm. advise that they effectively apply it? You've read it 15 times, and I know it's not just because it's your book, but because you see great value in it. How would you advise them mm. to apply the book to their lives and their understanding of the world? Well, there's, there's practical tips at the end of every chapter. And that's something that I wanted to implement specifically because you can never teach somebody something and then just say, okay, go do it. That's it. <laughs> like, there needs to be something practical. Um, and I think that's something that I've learned in terms of church. Like if I'm listening to a sermon, I'm thinking, okay, cool. This was great. Okay, mm. how do I go and do it? And if I don't get that, it then becomes harder for me to take that message and put it into my life on a day-to-day basis. So, um, yeah, I would say read the, the whole book, read the, 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 the uh, take-home points at the end, the practical points, make notes, because there's notes parts in the Bible, uh, the book as well, uh, where you can recap the chapter, what stuck out for you and all these things. Um, and then there's extra note space at the back as well. That, that's the key for me is, is that it's not just something that's bought, but it's not just something that's read. And it's not just something that's read and taken in a little bit. It's something that's read, bought, read, taken in and applied. It needs to be applied yes. constantly. And then reread to assess. Because, yes, you might have been applying it, but, okay, now how do I assess? Like, where do I, where do I look now in terms of personal dominion? There's a section called personal dominion. How do I look in that, that section? When it comes to character, how do I look in terms of character? When it comes to the roles, how am I operating as a son? How am I as a friend? How am I as a brother? And then as if you're a lady, how, how does my son look? How can I help him to look better as a son? How does he operate as a brother? How do I teach my sons to be better brothers to their sisters? But also, if you're a sister, okay, how do my brothers operate? How can I help them? So it's just a case of now looking with eyes where everybody's learning. Because yeah. it's not just a case of the guys knowing how to do it, but the women need to hold them accountable as well. Because the second we get let off and we're not held accountable, we'll slack off. That's just normal human nature. We've still got work well, just five months into the year. And we've got seven months left. How is Ira, what are, what are your plans for the year? For the remaining seven months so that people can follow along and at least know what's coming up or what they can get involved with in terms of the mentoring group that you do and everything else that you have coming up well we're looking to establish the mentoring program more okay. um build a team of mentors um that's something that we're working on at the moment um establishing the mentoring program as an online course as well at some point whether that's at the end of 2021 or the start of 2022 that's something that we're looking to do for people overseas to potentially buy it and go through it at their own pace because even though it's a 30-week program some people might want to take longer which Mm. that's fair play to them if they want to they should be able to um and in terms of 
myself, obviously my career is going to continue to progress as a footballer. Um, PC London is growing and, and again, the mentoring program is part of the PC London movement. The movement is called Preach Christ. That's And everything that we do is to do that. So the men's mentoring program is part of that. Um, the book is obviously part of that. So the, the book will be on the website as well. Signed copies will be. Um, will be on the PC London website, which is pcldn.com, uh, along with uh, some merch as well that's either going to be released on Friday or released a little bit later. Um, there's going to be a, a specific book merch. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things, um, but they're the kind of main things at the moment. pcldn.com forward slash shop. Um, and we've got, we've got quite a few things on there. We've just recently released a hoodie to promote mental health called Needed. I see. Um, and we've just done some beanie hats and a faux leather bag as well with the PC logo on it, this one. That's so, yeah. amazing. That's amazing. And I think this, 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 because prior to this, we haven't actually had a full-on conversation. And I think I will just move back the interview you had with MT and one of the things I, I really love about what you were talking about is that you guys are very relaxed you guys have some banter some dad jokes that I need to, you need to put aside for some time uh, but yeah. not gonna lie your impersonation with your accents it's a one thank you one thing I have to say though is that when I then listen to the other interview Duke, I love the vulnerability behind what you do because it's what's needed more when people talk about, okay, what is it to be a man? And you, I'm sure, I know you go in depth in that in your book. However, it's also one of those things where people need to open themselves up so that people can see what it truly means to go through their shoes or what it truly means, what they, what they experience. And so this is how it is, because what I found is a lot of young people now, I speak to them a lot of times, they're like, well, my dad never really acted like, my dad never told me that he was ever down, you know, they told themselves that, you know, just get up, you know, Basically, you got yeah. responsibilities to be a, grow up, grow up. Um, you got little ones. You got all these things to do, and it's important as we're coming to this age where people are, there's so much information around. People also need to be guided, and this is where it's so important to have more people that have a true passion for men and that idea of manhood, fatherhood, and things like that to equip people. Because at the end of the day, if something's not healed, it will reopen. If something's not completely healed, it'll, it'll recycle itself. So with that, I just mm. want to say thank you. We organized this in a very short notice, in a matter of three days from yeah. first conversation to coming on this. And it's been really, really, really amazing. I really appreciate your time. Hey there. Thank you for joining us for this week's Journey to Fatherhood podcast episode. I've been your host, Chinadum. Whilst I still have you here, why not go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this or watching this from. We would really appreciate your reviews and your positive feedback because it allows us to become more discoverable. We put in time into this to make sure that we give you the right conversations. But if you have any suggestions of conversations or possible speakers you'd like to have on the podcast, please write to us on our Instagram account at Journey to Fatherhood. That's at Journey to Fatherhood on Instagram. We'll be launching our website soon enough. And last but not the least, what is a man by 
Ira Jackson Jr. is now out and available on Amazon and PC London. That's What is a Man by Ira Jackson Jr. Available on Amazon and PCLDN.com.